Okay, so Alan's actually preaching today, but we're go, Alan. We're going to actually go through um, a series of a, a, a topic, really. So I just wanted to let you all know what we're going to be learning over the next few months. So we've decided to go about preaching on the spiritual gifts and the difference between the spiritual gifts, how what impact that can have on your lives and others' lives, and each gift individually. So we'll be running this over the next um, two months or so. Um, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, the first first um, verse, and it says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Um, people say ignorance is bliss, but the Bible says differently. He does not want us to be ignorant. So we've decided we're going to do this course of teaching, um, and we appreciate it can be quite controversial sometimes. People have different opinions of different things. Um, so as everyone is going to be teaching about it, we've all met together um, last Saturday to go through each gift individually, to go through the scripture, to understand what it says so everything's, everyone's on the same page with it and we believe it to be biblically accurate and spiritually accurate, everything that will be taught. Um, if there is anything that comes up that you think, actually I disagree with that or anything like that, that's fine, that happens. Um, Phil will be available um, to discuss with that or myself or Karen um, will be available if you have any questions about that. So Alan, if you'd like to come up. I know it's quite deep. Hey, go Alan. Ice bucket challenge. (laughs) Right, so I'm going to pray for Alan. Yes, Lord, I thank you for this man. I thank you for the blessing you poured on his life. I thank you for the calling and the calling to bring him here to Junction. I pray that you'll bless his words, that the words that are of him are forgotten, but the words that are of you are what sit on people's hearts. And I pray that you don't just talk through him and bypass him, but actually that you pour your spirit on him first and foremost to pass through, Lord, and that you actually impact him as well as he impacts us, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Scott. Morning, Junction. Anyone there? Good. Okay. First Corinthians, an interesting letter. A letter from Paul the Apostle. And if you were to sit down and read First Corinthians right the way through, beginning to end, it would be helpful. <laughs> Think. When Paul sent this letter to the church in Corinth, he expected them to take notice because he was their apostle. It's not a letter the same as Romans is. Romans was written by Paul to the church in Rome, as we know, and it's a very orderly presentation of Christian teaching. 1 Corinthians is not that sort of letter. I'll give you the reasons for that in a little bit. Um, The church in Corinth, that's a city in Greece, uh, was disorderly, (laughs) to put it mildly. (laughs) It doesn't mean to say it was like Junction. (laughs) It was a new church, and it was made up of Gentile Christians, many of whom Paul had been used to bring to Christian faith. And their background was weird and wonderful. Many of them had been pagan worshippers. 
Now, looking around this morning, I don't see any signs, outward signs at least, uh, that any of us have previously been involved in paganism. The thing to remember is that the people in Corinth were used to spiritual stuff. But the stuff, and that's a technical word, <laughs> which could be called things, has actually come into our translation as gifts. So when Paul says to the church, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts, think of it as I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual stuff from a Christian perspective. They were already used to spiritual stuff coming from a bad source. And that was clouding their thoughts on all sorts of issues. And as you go through the letter, Paul is dealing with one issue after another, after another, after another, where they had been going up a blind alley. <laughs> they had been thinking in pre-Christian pagan terms, and now they were Christians, there was a change of their thinking that was necessary. If you go to Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, don't all do it at the same time because there'll be a rustling of pages. Um, it says, if you want to discover what God's good, pleasing and perfect will is, you need to change the way you think, which in many translations is repent. In other words, saying to the Corinthians, you were going in this direction on your understanding of spiritual things. You've got to have a change of thought and go in a Christian direction, mindful that the Spirit of God is living in you, rather than the Spirit of whatever other God that you might have been worshipping before. Makes sense, doesn't it? So, 1 Corinthians is primarily a corrective letter. And although we call it 1 Corinthians, it's most unlikely that it was the first letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. Those of you who are Bible students, how many people here are Bible students? Come on, I don't mean... <laughs> Some of us did the Bible course together, didn't we? Over at Christchurch. That was, that was very helpful as a foundation. But what you build on it is going to make all the difference, because not many of us live in fo on foundations. Do we? We live in houses which have been built on foundations. So just having a foundation isn't enough, as any builder will tell you. So, in the beginning of the letter, ah, just a little, little funny for you. If you are tempted to get up in the morning and wonder, what is God going to say to me today? I hope that you would have some sort of orderly way of approaching that, rather than just opening the book, dipping your finger in and saying, this must be the answer. Someone did that once upon a time, I was told. This is not true. But they did that and came across the verse that said, Judas went out and hanged himself. 
And they thought, well, certainly that's not what God was saying to me. So, so they flicked it open to another page and went, bing! And guess what it said? Go and do thou likewise. Yeah. So it's a dangerous thing just because you can prove anything by taking a text out of its context and making it into a pretext. Think about it. It's dangerous. So, 1 Corinthians, in the first chapter, it says here in verse 11, My brothers, now when Paul uses the term my brothers, addressing a church, he's not just talking to the fellows. He's talking to everyone. Brothers, some from Chloe's household, Chloe's house group, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. So there was communication going on between where Paul was and Chloe was spilling the beans on what was going on in the church. It's tricky. What would happen if someone here reported to our apostle bad stuff that was going on in Junction? <laughs> what would you expect to happen? The apostle would address it. Yeah? That's part of the apostle's job, to keep track of what's going on. And Paul couldn't be everywhere all at the same time any more than anyone else can. So he would do his job. So Chloe, or someone in Chloe's house group, had been in touch with Paul. And in chapter 5, verse 9, Paul says, I have written to you. So 1 Corinthians is not the first letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. But it's the first one that we've got. And then if you turn over to chapter 7, Paul says, Now, for the matters that you wrote about. So, Corinthian church has communicated with Paul, asking questions. And the first thing that Paul says is, it's good for a man not to marry. That's not teaching to say that men shouldn't get married. It's addressing an issue that the Corinthians have brought to Paul's attention. Yes, it is good to live a celibate life. There you go. But that's got to be interpreted, and it's got to be in the context of what was going on in Corinth at the time, but we don't know what that was in detail. We can make suppositions... And if you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is correcting stuff that was going wrong in Corinth when it came to Holy Communion. And the kind of picture that comes through is that the wealthy people in the church of Corinth were dealing with communion like a bring and share party, and they were bringing all the goodies that they could afford and putting it on the table, and the poor people would bring a few biscuits or a little bit of bread, and when it came to communion, whoa, the rich people rushed to the table and got all the goodies, and the poor people got left out. 
So Paul is writing in chapter 11 to put things right about the celebration of communion. Now, when we have communion in any church that I'm aware of, we don't get anywhere near having a bring and share party, do we? Hello? Yeah, we have a little bit of bread and a little bit of something, which could be anything from blackcurrant juice to rice wine, depending on where you are in the world. So it's a corrective letter. So we come to that bit which uh, Scott read out to us, chapter 12. I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual stuff. Before you became a Christian, what did you know about spiritual stuff? You see, some people, there might be somebody here, who had an awareness of spiritual power before they became a Christian. Some of us might have been involved in Ouija boards before we became a Christian. Please don't get involved in Ouija boards now that you are a Christian. Because there is a power that will affect people which doesn't come from God. That is not Holy Spirit power. It's an alternative source of power. Because there is an enemy of our souls as Christians. Did you know that? And he will take every opportunity to steer you up the garden path and lead you into dangerous places in a spiritual sense, which is not helpful. In fact, it's jolly dangerous. The number of people who are now receiving help and ministry over and over and over again because of stuff like the Ouija board. Magic was a word that was mentioned in the prayer meeting earlier. It wasn't a word that was used encouraging us to get involved in magic. What is magic? (laughs) It can either be a sleight of hand, which is what Scott was very good at demonstrating to Albert, but it wasn't using spiritual power. It was a trick. So there are innocent tricks, but there is also the danger of spiritual stuff being communicated from one person to another, and the power doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. So we need to be careful. So why Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual stuff. So a tiny bit of Greek for you this morning, just one word, pneumatikos. Pneuma is the Greek word for spirit. Right? Do we all know what psychosomatic illness is? Yeah? It's where our psyche has a bearing on our body. So psyche is mind, soma is body. So psychosomatic illness is where Our thought processes and our inner workings affect our body, our physical bit. There are other kinds of illness which are caused by a bad spirit. But you never hear doctors talk about pneumosomatic 
illness. They might just say psychosis, but psychosis is about the psyche, not about the spirit. Ah. The human spirit is sensitive to outside forces. If we open ourselves to the Spirit of God, he will use us as a channel. That's good news, isn't it? So when we come to gifts of the Spirit, God is able to use any human channel to bless, to heal, to perform a sign or a wonder, to do all manner of things, which we have some of them listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So over the next couple of months, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 11. It would be helpful actually to go on to verse 12, but we won't mess about with one verse, will we? We'll read the whole thing. If you really want to get the gist of what Paul's doing, read the whole of 1 Corinthians. It won't take you that long, and think of it as one letter from the Apostle to a church that needed to be put right on all sorts of issues. And many of these people who were hearing this letter read out would have been used to magic, hidden truth, secret power. The wonderful thing about secrets in the Bible is that they're usually open secrets. So, these people in Corinth were already pneumaticos. They were people who knew about the Spirit, not necessarily God's Spirit. There were others, and perhaps Paul was in, encouraging them, to become charismaticos. <laughs> You've heard about charismatics, have you? People who rejoice in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gifts of grace, which is why, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's made abundantly clear that God is in charge of dispensing gifts of grace. It's his business. So, if anyone who is open to the Spirit of God is able to exercise a gift of the Spirit, it's a gift of grace given by the Lord for a purpose. From my fairly wide Christian experience, evidence of gifts of the Spirit are more often seen outside of the church than inside of the church. Because gifts of the Spirit are to be a sign or a wonder to impact whoever. The church can and should be, and this includes Junction, should be a place where we can confidently practice the use of any gift to check out how we're doing so that other people can be a monitoring of our use of a particular gift. 
Now, for whatever reason, this opening of the topic of stuff of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, I've been asked to start with miracles. <laughs> so, anyone here in need of a miracle? <laughs> right. Has anyone here experienced a miracle? Answers to prayer? Are they miracles? Hmm. Tricky one. <laughs> so, what is a miracle? Round your tables, have a quick natter. What do you think a miracle is? Buzz, buzz, buzz. Have you come to any conclusions? Yeah? yeah. A conclusion? Listen, listen, folks. What is a miracle? Uh, it's a miracle is... It's... <laughs> <laughs> cannot be explained by scientific evidence. Can't be explained by scientific evidence. A miracle isn't just one bit. A miracle could be... Is it a miracle because it's... Anyone seen it, or is it a miracle because you realise it was a miracle when it happened two weeks ago? Right. Does a miracle have to be something like, bam, instant miracle, isn't it? What is a miracle? You say a miracle is it being one thing, but I, I believe it could be anything. Could be anything. Right. Interesting. Anything over here? Conclusions. What is a miracle? Pardon? A blessing from God. Yeah. Everything. Why is it listed then as one of the gifts of the Spirit is to have a miraculous power? Wow. We thought that this answers to prayer. Answers to prayer. Which the miracle is something extraordinary. Extraordinary. Yeah. Okay. Think back before you were born and go back a bit further. And get to the earth. I wasn't going to use that phrase, <laughs> but get back to the early 1900s and try to explain to someone in the early 1900s that a few few years down the line, people would be walking on the moon. Now, for those people then, they might have thought, "Wow, that would be a miracle." unexplained by scientific knowledge at the time. But we know that it wasn't a miracle. It was the working out of human technology, <laughs> scientific expertise, and hey, diddle diddle, people walked on the moon. <laughs> and oh, lots of money, yeah. <laughs> yes, Anne. There was quite a lot of miracles within the walking on the moon. 
Ah. They could have crashed. Yeah. There's no atmosphere on the moon, but the flag that they planted fluttered in the wind. <laughs> so many, so many things that we don't understand. We could put them down to being a miracle, and then somebody else could come along and scientifically explain how that happened. Now, answers to prayer. Are different. A long time ago, uh, I was part of a church leadership team in Tunbridge, and during the Saturday, I had done something really stupid in lifting something out of the boot of my car, which was too heavy and I shouldn't have attempted it, and I messed up my elbow. And on Sunday evening, I needed to be at a meeting that was really tricky and everybody was supposed to be giving their input. I got to the meeting in agony, and I said to the folks who were gathered, I said, I really find it difficult to concentrate because of the pain in my elbow, and if you want me to take part in this meeting, please could you pray? So they came round, laid hands on me, prayed. What pain? And the meeting continued. Now, was that somebody using a miraculous power, or was that a gift of healing? Does it matter? <laughs> you see, with this whole list, there's an overlap. There's an overlap. This is not a list which is exhaustive. This is not primarily a teaching saying this categorically is the list of gifts of the Holy Spirit, end of story. Because there are lots of lists of gifts of the Spirit in the New Testament. This is one of them, but it's not primarily a teaching session. But let's just read it out. Look in your Bible and see how you get on with this. Now, to each person, the manifestation of the Spirit, in other words, the Spirit of God making himself visible is given for who? For the common good. It's not for the individual self-aggrandizement. It's not to boost anyone's ego. It's for a purpose, for the common good. To one person, there is given through the Spirit the ability to speak with wisdom. To another, the ability to speak with knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between Spirits. So, imagine if somebody came in here one day purporting to be um, a gifted person and we didn't know them and they just breezed in and started to be doing all kinds of stuff as if they were in charge, the leadership here would need to address that person and suss out whether this person is coming from God or from somewhere else. 
and it wouldn't be dealt with like this. Sensibly, they would take that person to one side, and this takes a certain amount of confidence to know that God's put you in a position of leadership. You would take them out, and you would give them a little bit of a grilling, politely, nicely, or you would be so impacted by the fact that they're using spiritual power that didn't come from God that you would exorcise them outside. You with me? Yeah. yeah. Because this is relevant stuff. It's everyday Christian stuff being put into a good context by Paul addressing people who were coming from all sorts of weird backgrounds. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> right. The ability to distinguish between spirits. This is, might be controversial, but I'll stick my neck out. I have yet to meet someone who has been mixed up in Freemasonry who has been able to develop as a Christian disciple. Right. I had now. Right. Something needs to change in order for that to happen. Because in Freemasonry, the revelation of who God is, which happens at level number 14, something like that, is that God is revealed as a mixture between Three, Osiris, Yahweh, and Baal. And that mix-up of spiritual stuff doesn't help, to put it mildly, doesn't help Christian development. Moving on, miraculous powers... Yes. Right. Because you've had experience of other spiritual stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit can overcome and deal with stuff which has come from other sources beforehand. Absolutely. Um, do you remember that uh, children's song, God Can Do Anything? Causes me a problem, that song. Teaching children that God can do anything is good at one level, but God cannot deny himself. What are the other things that God cannot do? Sorry? Yes? God will not take away a person's freedom to say no. Sometimes it would be so good if he could. But he, he treats us as valuable human beings who have choice. And that's amazing. I am who you say I am, we sang earlier. Nearly finished. Right. To another, the ability to speak in different kinds of tongues. Some of us here this morning have personal experience of speaking or singing in a tongue that we didn't learn as children or as teenagers, 
or from reading textbooks. Fine, no problem. Others of us may have been used by God to give an interpretation of an unknown tongue in the context of Christian worship. It needs to be tested. And Paul gives clear instruction as to how that should have been handled in the church in Corinth. All these gifts, all these gifts of grace, are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each person as he determines. Paul says in another place that we should desire the gifts. But pleading with God for a gift of grace is a mix-up of human language. If he knows that we're open to be used by him in the community when we're doing everything from Monday to Friday this coming week, for instance, he could give you any gift to deal with a situation and it would be a gift that you would be free to use or not use because you're in control of what you do. But if you're open to being led by the Spirit of God, he can use you to do anything. He could use you this week to minister to someone to bring healing to them. But you wouldn't suddenly call yourself a healer because there are healers around in the world today and they use power from another source. Bad news. Because they may bring healing but there will also be an injection of bad spirit coming with it if they're using power from a bad source. So just because something works doesn't mean it's of God. Hmm. <laughs> this is a big topic and we've got nine weeks to get into it. Is that good? Yeah. Are you excited? Yeah. Are you prepared to God for God to use you? That is a key. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you see us here this morning, individuals that you have made. There is nobody else in the whole of creation, and there never has been, and there never will be, who is just like me. And please put you in that prayer for you. Lord, in as much as we are open to receive your guidance, your gifts, please use us to bring glory to the name of Jesus for your kingdom to come and your will to be done here, not just in the confines of this village hall, but wherever we happen to be during this week. And to your name be all the glory and all the praise. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The biggest miracle, Jesus on the cross. <clears throat> right, thank you for that. Now before we go, question, who has plans this afternoon? Put your hand up if you've got plans. 
Brilliant, that's exciting. Enjoy them. All of you who haven't got plans and are going to sit at home and be lonely, come and join me um, at St. Nicholas Church in Leeds Village. They're having, it's called Inspire. It's, um, it, the flyer says, new informal worship for all ages. So if you've got kids, there'll be like an arts and crafts zone. There's a cafe. There's going to be worship, band-led worship and a prayer space and just a time for different people to get to meet God in different ways. Yes? Oh yeah, Helen, who used to worship with us and lead with us, um, she's leading worship there today. So that is at St. Nicholas um, Church Village from half past three to half past four. If you don't know where it is, don't ask me. Ask Lydia, because I don't know where it was. Let's pray. Yes, Lord, I thank you for coming to meet with us today. I uh, thank you for the word. I thank you for the time of worship, Lord. I pray that as we leave this place today through the week, we have opportunities to share your love and show your spirit in our day-to-day life and that you'll meet us where we need. And when we call upon you, that you'll answer our prayers, Lord, and we can feel your presence every day of this week. Amen. Amen. Be blessed.